0: Hello and welcome to this edition of Pi Day of Pondering Time, Dr. David Stanton, Headmaster at Oakdale Academy in Metropolitan Detroit. And want to take a few minutes and explore the concept and the, the actual term of the Academy. And I think in, in so many ways, there, there have been so many terms and definitions that have been thrown around in modern education over the past 20 plus years. Uh, An academy is one that I think has been altered considerably from its original design, from its original intent. And that's one of the things that we want to discuss. There are so many schools across the country uh, called such and such academy. And I think it's really important for us to distinguish the different types of academies, if you will. And what I'd ask the listeners uh, to this episode to, to consider is once you have understood the concept of the academy, and once you start to really think through that and the different types of schools that use that, that term or that title in them to, to reflect on are or is rather each school that uses that term being true to the original intent, the original design Uh, that the ancients had for an academy. And so let's let's launch in uh, with with the concepts behind the academy. Uh, The the academy is, uh, like all things that we celebrate in classical Christian education, something that traces its uh, beginnings back to ancient Greece. Uh, In ancient Greece, the academy, um, or academia, uh, and followed on by Latin, the academia as well, is is a college. It's it's a f- philosophical uh, study. It was started, uh, most experts believe, by Plato in around three eighty seven BC. Uh, there was a there was an olive grove, a park. It was out on the northwestern outskirts of Athens, Greece. Uh, Greece. There was a gymnasium, and uh, some of the research I did said that it pointed to. Um, a gymnasium is sacred to the legendary Attic, that area of Greece, hero, Academus or Hecadamus. And so from there, you obviously can get Academy. So it's a school of philosophy, um, and, and it was continued after Plato's death. And um, the, the concepts were that you studied mathematics, uh, natural sciences, uh, language in preparation for statesmanship, and it would go on until around 529 A.D. Uh, when the Emperor Justinian closed down the academy uh, because it was a pagan institution. Still, uh, at, at the same time, but it was throughout. Then the successors, if you will, to the academy are those uh, those institutions um, that continue the preparation for first young men, but later on uh, young people um, of both genders to prepare them for some type of life of service. You know, it was usually uh, seen that that would be through statesmanship or involvement in some type of governmental affairs um, or some type of important business affairs, but but ultimately uh, what has happened is the academy's role is to prepare students for life of service. You know, you think about, then, the the role of the early universities, uh, those in Oxford and Cambridge and Bologna in Italy, um, throughout Western Europe, and they built upon this individualized instruction or this instruction to a small, small group of students uh, by a tutor or by a professor, uh, typically a cleric uh, throughout the late Middle Ages and up up through the Renaissance and beyond. And even as those universities grew and expanded, class sizes remained small. And the, the goal was to round out one's formal education by inculcating students with truth, with the study of logic, the study of rhetoric, the study of mathematics and sciences, theology as the apex or the height of it all, and preparing those students to use the skills and the position, because most students, remember in, in most periods of history, most students who would make it to university level were typically the, the more well-off, the wealthier, the more um, well-placed uh, in station of, of life families. They were to use that education to serve others, to make the world, if you will, Uh, a better place based on the knowledge that they were given, the transfer of knowledge, the paideia, that love, and the transfer of that knowledge, uh, again, with theology and Christian virtue as the apex of it all. Well, then you come across here to the United States and uh, the colonies initially. And again, the the concept uh, continued that way. If you look at the founding documents, the charters, of some of the Ivy League schools now, even on the East Coast, uh, Harvard and others, their founding documents talked very specifically about honoring God in their formation and honoring God, gar- honoring God. pardon me, in, in the fulfillment of their mission and in preparing students, in many cases, divinity students, uh, to be pastors, to be preachers, uh, to spread the gospel was the uh, foundational piece of many portions of our early universities here in the States. So it is key to understand when you talk about the academy and a liberal education, and I'll take another podcast uh, at some point to describe that whole concept of what a liberal, a small l, liberal education uh, really means, but it was about preparing students for a life of service. And so as we continue to think about the academy, let's let's fast forward past the progressive movement and and past some of the other changes that took place here in the United States, in particular in the late 18, early 1900s, and and then throughout the 20th century. And and I encourage you, if you you don't know uh, about the progressive movement in education and what has really happened to education and so quickly happened to education, I encourage you to, to go back and we have a we have an episode of Idea Ponderings that deals specifically with the, the brief history of education. I encourage you to listen to that. Uh, hopefully that, that snapshot will, will give you some insight as to what, what's really happened and why things are so, uh, so far gone from the original intent of what education should be. Well, again, as we as we look at then education. And as we look at how things changed in the United States, you, you come up with in the oh some parts of the 1980s, but certainly the 1990s, and and absolutely into the early part of the 21st century, um, this this desire this movement to really think what what is really the point of education? Are we doing the right thing? And you had the emergence in great great numbers of what are known as charter schools. You know, charter schools. You know, each state obviously has its own rules and regulations for them, but but basically, to paint a very broad stroke, uh, charter schools are public institutions. They're still public schools, but rather than simply be set up in a geographical school district or intermediate school district or county um, school plan and school system, uh, they're chartered typically by a university, uh, and they receive public funding still. Typically, not not as much as as a Regular, if you will, public school, but they have a, a lot more freedom in many ways in the choosing of their curriculum, and they're called charter schools, obviously because they're given a charter by an issuing organization, such as a university. And many folks who would celebrate classical education specifically said, "This is this is our way to get in and to uh, to affect school choice uh, in the United States." and This is the way to to get in and and really um, make an impact on the public school system. Because as much as those of us in classical Christian schools would would love to extend our reach, we we still do realize that the general population, uh, the majority of it, would send their students to a public school of some sort. Um, So the the um, charter school, and specifically classical charter school movement, is a partner in many ways to, to look at how we can uh, alter the trajectory of this uh, continual progressive influence in education. And a lot of charter schools uh, adopted the term academy to the end of it. So it would be the Charter Academy of Detroit, uh, the, the Greater Charter Academy of Metropolitan St. Louis or, or wherever it might be, but a lot of them uh, chose to use that term academy. And, and I would imagine in, in some instances, it was in a reference back to Plato's Academy and, and, and its successors. But what has happened um, from a public school point of view, purely, is there is a, a, a downward look at charter schools. So the term academy has been kind of trounced. And when you, when you have a student who is, coming back to or returning or or starting anew in a public school, they'll see a transcript or a, you know, a report from a former school that says such and such academy. And I'll be honest, public school administrators tend to look at that and say, oh, yeah, it just means they're behind because they're from a charter school because they're they're not from one of our public schools. And there are charter schools, just as there are public schools and just as there are private schools who have any number of avenues of success and any number of avenues of um, issue with with their curriculum, which is why a school needs to uh, continually look at itself and assess how it's doing. Well, what's happened since the 1980s is simultaneous to this rise of charter schools calling themselves academy has been the explosion and sweeping wave of classical Christian education uh, with the dawning of the ACCS, the Association for Classical Christian Schools, the Society for Classical Learning, um, and not just classical Christian schools, but private classical uh, non-religious schools as well. In addition, um, somewhat connected and, and somewhat outside ACCS is is a move in many directions for a lot of Catholic schools to consider classical education. A classical Catholic education is is an up and coming movement as well. And a lot of these schools, uh, such as Oakdale Academy, have adopted the term Academy. And herein lies the difference. A classical Christian school, a classical Catholic school, a classical charter school, a classical private school, has at its desire, if its mission is rooted correctly, and if its philosophy is rooted correctly, has at its its core, has chosen the name Academy, not to reflect a popular trend, but to reflect the true nature of education, to return back to what Plato and his successors would have uh, focused on, the study of the natural sciences the study of logic and rhetoric, the study of the trivium and the quadrivium, a study of those things that make a well-rounded student in the liberal arts, a student that is not only geared towards the university level or to graduate school or some high paying, uh, high power job, but to a student that will take the education that they have been part of Notice that I didn't say received, but they've been part of. It is an active art form, and that they choose to enter a life of service with the information they have been granted. That really is the key to an academy. And so you look at vision statements, you look at mission statements, you look at how classical academies, whether Christian, whether um whether private or whether whatever flavor or charter that they are, and you you see that at, at their core, they are trying. We are trying to inculcate our students with things like in Oakdale we say character, truth, and wisdom. We're, we're looking so that our our students can. Um, can focus on how to best uh, live a life of service, to be the, you know, to use one of those phrases that's tossed throughout, um, to be the best person that they can be now in a classical religious school, we would say, based on the teachings of the truth of God's word in the Bible, to focus on the Greco-Roman Judeo-Christian heritage of monotheism, the, the importance of life and family, um, freedom and liberty, the understanding that everyone is truly created equally, that we have individual responsibility. We want to cultivate virtue. We, we, want to, we want to imbibe our students with a sense of wonder in what they learn. We want to raise up self-governing adults. We want to have honest scholarship. We want our students to appreciate those things that are true, those things that are good, those things that are beautiful and recognize that they come from our Creator, from our God. That is the essence of what an academy truly is. And that is the essence of what classical, in, in, from the religious aspect, classical Christian schools exist to do and why we proudly to continue to choose the title Academy in deference to our predecessors in education who did the very same thing that we're attempting to do to train up our students in the way they should live so that when they are old, they will not depart from it as the Proverbs tell us and to be preparing our students for a life of service. Well, hopefully this gives you a small insight of what we mean when we say the Academy. And when you drive past any number of schools uh, that have academy and part of their title and uh, and so you're thinking about education either for your children or children that you know uh, or even young adults that you know, uh, you can say, yeah, academy, I'm going to look that school up and see if they are really an academy in the historical sense of that term or whether they just picked a popular title for their school now. Well. If you uh, if you like this episode and you liked learning about the academy and classical Christian education, I encourage you to look at such organizations as the Society for Classical Learning, the SCL, the Association of Christian Classical Christian Schools. Um, certainly, if you live in the metropolitan Detroit area, please uh, consider looking us up on our website, oakdaleacademy.com. And if you find yourself in a spot where you say, hey, these are great things, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't have children that are school-aged anymore. Well, then I'd ask you to consider two things. One, would you pray for us? Would you pray that the classical Christian movement is continued to be able to flourish, um, that it's able to be uh, true to what we feel God is calling us to do? And would you would you just pray for uh, students and parents to be brought to a realization of where they need to enter into a life of service as they continue to go through this, uh, this educational process. And if you're so inclined, we would love to partner with you and uh, and to have you consider donating uh, either to Oakdale Academy specifically or a classical Christian school in your area uh, or to support this podcast. Uh, we're thrilled to be able to partner with Anchor uh, as our podcast hosting service, but Uh, these things would be great to be able to be sponsored and you can find that information out uh, in past show notes or right on the anchor website or you can always contact us info at oakdaleacademy.com thank you so much for uh, joining me today and for listening as we explored what it meant uh, to have the title academy and with that i'll leave you and enjoy the rest of your day thank you